I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. going on everybody happy friday we've got will back in the house like will we're like you know my homie my compadre my co-host in crime mr will we're what's popping dude it's been too long what's good taylor gang i'm back from vacation i'm feeling refreshed i'm feeling frisky we've got some news that was dropping right towards the end of my vacation perfect timing to come back on here and chop it up with you buddy i missed you yeah, I missed you too, bro. It's been a it's been a hot minute, man. I've I've put out a few episodes. I haven't been super consistent because I haven't had my homies with me. You know, I know Greg said he could record with me the one day, and then I kind of flaked out at that last minute. And then y'all have been away doing whatever you've been doing, man. So you <laughs> been know, getting pedicures, like sitting sitting my twinkle toes in the sand, man. You know, I was actually with I was with Greg for a little bit. We were both back home for a, a wedding down Cape Cod. Greg was also down there spending some time uh, with his family, but. Recharge, man. I'm, I'm I'm ready to come back strong. We're gonna go walk a flock. I'm ready to go hard in the paint with you right now. Yo, so I'm jealous, man. My vacation's not for another four weeks. So the 28th of what's a month? The 28th of August, I fly out. I fly out. So um, when I see you guys putting pictures up on Instagram and stuff, and I'm like, man, I just need to get to sort to a beach, dude. You know, I just need Coming, to be man. chilling. It's, by- it's the best way to recharge the batteries, in my opinion. Trust me, man. I'm counting down the days. I paid for the uh the, the holiday insurance today. Um, I'm just literally I'm ready to go now. I'm just like counting down the days to get that week away. One and of the hardest working men in sports here, man. You, you you need it and you deserve it, and I can't wait for you to get it. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I've been busting your butts too. But, <laughs> you know, there's another guy out here that was busting his butt all through the NBA finals, and he, I'm assuming he feels some type of way right now. I'm talking about SMH, man. Brand. SMH. <laughs> SMH. That means send me home. He's he's already <laughs> looking at Atlanta right now. He's like, yo, I want to go play with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. You can go and get John Collins and DeAndre Hunter for, DeAndre Hunter for me. I'll, I'll I'll just I'll just say straight up that's a that's a no for me, dog. We'll we'll leave that trade rumor where it is. Yeah, I mean I just made that up after. after I know, I know, I know. I'm just messing over here. You know, but like, it shake my head. I understand that, but it also looked like send me home. So there's a obviously everybody knows by now we're a few days late here, but we want I wanted to speak about this with you, man. I didn't want to have to. You know, I could have drafted in a pitch here. I could have done an emergency pod on my own, but it's not so much break that we want to break the news or re- do an instant reaction. It's that we've let things unfold. You know, we're hit, we we started from the bottom. Now we're here. So let, let's go from let's go from the bottom and then get back to here. We can reverse engineer this. The original deal that was rumored to be on offer. Rumored. I repeat, rumored which Brian Windhorst said was most likely a few weeks old, but just yeah. got leaked. And we can talk about the leverage side of things afterwards. Was Jalen Brown, Derek White, and some draft assets. That's correct, right? So, yes. Jalen Brown, Derek White, and some draft assets for a Mr. Kevin Durant. I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn. Yeah. Then the Nets want a counter, and I'll let you tell me what the counter was because, uh, you know, it's a two-man show. Can't yeah, and, it, and it's a lot, man. The the Nets are asking for a lot. So based on the report that came out, their counter was Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, 
an additional rotation player, which for me, reading the tea leaves feels like a, a Grant Williams or a Peyton Pritchard ask, but that's just that's just my own interpretation. And then I believe it was about three to five picks was the the, the draft assets that they were looking for, which for, by, by all accounts, and as you mentioned, uh, Wendy kind of reported that these discussions might be about a week or so or a couple of weeks old, which you know I think especially that offer from the Celtics makes a lot of sense, uh, was shot down pretty quickly, as I think it it, it should have been. But I, I still think that this is such a fascinating topic. I know you and Greg touched on it uh, a couple of weeks ago when the when the KD rumors or, or when the KD trade request first came out, because we all knew that this is kind of around the package details that you're going to be looking at and debating. But this report coming out from Woj and Shams, it, you know, it's a big deal, Adam. It, it really is, and it's something that you know whether or not it goes through. It's out in the public. It's being discussed. We're going to have to discuss. It's not just speculation. It's I mean, it is speculation to a certain degree, but it's being reported by the heavy hitters of our industry. And when they report something, you know, there's a little bit more substance to it than just throwing an idea around in the trade machine. And so it's really a fascinating topic. And I think there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons to whichever side you want to go. And then ultimately, there's a line in the sand that if you're Brad Stevens, I think you have to draw with this. And that's that's something we'll, we'll get to as to what we think that should be. So I've seen a lot of people when we're talking about the line in the sand. I've seen a lot of people quoting that Brad Stevens quote of I'm trying to add without taking away. And I see a lot of people put, posting that across socials. It's been everywhere on Instagram. It's been quite prevalent on Twitter as well. But my take on that is, yeah, you want to add without taking away, but you don't add a top three, top five guy in the NBA without giving up a haul. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, you, you make that you make that statement before knowing Kevin Durant's available. You know, when Kevin Durant's <laughs> available, that changes the equation of that statement. Like, let's just be real about it. And then you need to be like, so that, that line in the sand, I understand completely. Like, you know, there needs to be, uh, you know, we're not giving up Brown and Smart plus a rotation player plus picks. That's a line in the sand. You're asking mm-hmm. too much right now. You know, we're buying a classic car. It's not a Tesla. It's not. You know, some brand new top of the range, newest technology. It's a it's a classic Camaro or a classic <laughs> Ferrari. Do you know what I mean? It still does the job and everyone's going to turn their heads and it's still one of the better cars on the market. But there's some miles under the hood. You know, it's, it's had to have a few replacement tires on the, along the way. And there needs to be a line in the sand on how much you're going to spend. So when it comes to it, I think I want to go from here and just say first up, straight up question. Would you trade, forgetting everything else that surrounds the deal, would you trade Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant? Yes. I mean, that's it's a quick answer, but it's also not one that that I think I would, would make easily. But I think ultimately that would be the answer that I get to. Because when you look at Jalen Brown, you look at Kevin Durant, you just said it. Kevin Durant's a top three to five player. I know the Celtics swept the Nets in the first round. And believe me, I know I've seen people bring that up. And they're saying you don't need Kevin Durant. And, and honestly, that, that might be true. But I, the way that I look at it, if Jalen Brown or Kevin Durant right now, and even let's say the next two years, because that's the length of, of Jalen Brown's contract, and that's something you have to, to factor in here. That's all that's guaranteed is the next two years, and he will hit unrestricted free agency. He won't sign an extension because it doesn't make sense the way the CBA is structured. Him to get his full value, he's going to hit unrestricted free agency. So over the next two years, 
do you have a better chance of winning an NBA Finals with Jalen Brown or Kevin Durant? The answer to me is Kevin Durant, and therefore, if you're looking at it, just Jalen Brown versus Kevin Durant, the answer ends up inevitably yes. How about you, Adam? So my answer is yes to, I think that at the end of the day, Kevin Durant is a superior player. And that's harsh to say because I think Jalen Brown is exceptionally good. Love Jalen Brown. I love Jalen Brown. But I mean, Jalen Brown's top 20 to 25. KD, like you said, is top three to five. Like, bro, like that's the JB difference. jersey two weeks ago. I'm already consigned to the fact that it's going to be vintage before the season starts. I hope you got that. Uh, I think it's Amex does, uh, you know, in, insurance on uh, on, on, on different jerseys. jerseys so you can swap it back. So I hope you got that Amex insurance on it. I've ordered a shadow box. It's going up on my wall regardless of whether he stays or goes. So obviously we're both in agreement that if it was a straight up swap, which it's not, it's Kevin Durant for Jalen Brown, you go Kevin Durant. Now here's the question, and I want to premise this with something that Ime Udoka said during the NBA Finals. When Marcus Smart comes off the floor, we don't notice much of a defensive drop-off because we have Derek White. That was Ime Udoka's words, right? So, in my opinion, as a point-of-attack perimeter defender, there is a drop-off between Marcus and Derek, but it isn't. there isn't a chasm of skill level. The, chasm, the, the defensive chasm opens up when you look at Marcus's ability to legitimately switch one through five. Derek White can't give you that. But in terms of perimeter defense, Derek White can do a very good Marcus Smart impression. You know, he can impersonate Marcus Smart quite well. So if it was Jaden Brown plus Marcus Smart for Kevin Durant, do you still pull the trigger on that deal? So this is this is a great transition here because for me, that's where the answer turns to a no. So if we're saying it's Jalen Brown, Marcus Martin, and, and like you, it, we're not equating the draft at capital that that comes with this right now. But for me, just looking at the players involved, I almost think the draft capital is a separate conversation, dependent on which players are involved. But for me, and I, and I've said this this privately, maybe with you, and definitely with Greg, that I think for me, when the when the Kevin Durant trade um, trade request first came out. I was kind of looking at that, you know, part of the package that went from Malcolm Brogdon, where the salary filler was Tice, Neesmith, throw in the, the the picks that you need to kind of to kind of make that work, and that's that that's kind of my deal. If they ask for Smart, if they ask for Rob Williams, I'm out because, like I said in a previous point, I, I'm not even convinced if it's one for one of course you make this deal but that's just not going to happen both salary and, and the level of player that kevin Durant is that's just not happening but when you start to add in the factors of who marcus smart is for this team and for this defense you know i look at it as marcus smart is the the head of this defense rob williams when healthy is kind of the backbone and then you have this incredibly talented you know middle section of of that of that snake that's that's making this ecosystem of, of what Ime odoka is looking to do and, and i think when you start to add in somebody like Marcus Smart, that's when for me, you start to conceptually change the vision of this team a little bit too much. And then on top of that, you and I had a conversation about the Malcolm Brogdon trade, which I was not that you weren't a fan of, but you had concerns of. And I was looking at it as a a home run uh, deal, because it was a scenario where Malcolm Brogdon, his injury concern doesn't need to be as much of a concern with this team because of the depth. Now, if you take Marcus Smart and put him into that trade, all of a sudden, 
that you know that worry is a lot larger on this team with Malcolm Brogdon, whether where his health's going to be, because theoretically you would think, you know, Brogdon just slides into that smart role. Cause I think they're pretty equal players. You know, if you add, if you add in Malcolm Brogdon being healthy, he might even be better than Marcus smart. If we're, you know, being talking really real about this, but because he's not they're they're, they're pretty equal, but having to rely on that Malcolm Brogdon health would really scare me. And I think Marcus smart just means too much to this defense and it's a move that i'm not sure you absolutely have to make to get to the ultimate goal so i think for me if marcus smart's involved i say it's a no if Derek white's involved we're still talking how about you adam so i'm kind of of the same belief i think that my biggest thing and i've said this on multiple occasions right my time on this podcast i've sent it i've said it on multiple occasions on social media marcus smart is what i like to kind of pigeonhole as a culture setter here's the guy mm-hmm. you bring in to define a culture if you're a rebuilding team the ideal guy you go for marcus smart if you're a team that's got a superstar and you're trading him away you want marcus smart in that return because he's going to come in and set the tone straight away he's going to be a leader on the floor a leader in the locker room he's going to give you defensive intensity he's going to set a culture for you and he's done that in Boston. He's done that since he came. And I do believe that you don't win defensive player of the year and then get traded. I just think that's ridiculous, especially when you're the first guard to do it in literally since dinosaurs roam the earth. And obviously it's not <laughs> literally, but you know, we can call Gary Payton a dinosaur at this point. It's been long enough. At this point, it might be fair. It's been long enough. So yeah, I'm not down. I think that if... I mean, if it's Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart for Kevin Durant and you're getting, and then it's filler and you get something back in return, like a Seth Curry, then maybe I can, I might lean into that a little bit more. And obviously you're going to yeah, need to that's make a, that's a, that's a, match. That's a different value probably, yeah. I think. And I think, well, let's, let's align on this first. So, so we talked about at the top, the, you know, the counter offer that, that was reported was JB Smart another rotation player in about three to five picks. You're, I think based off what we just said, we're both completely out on that deal. If it's for KD as I, I and KD only, yes, I'm out yes, on that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. If you're not adding in what, whatever else. And, and it didn't seem like that was, at least based off the report, there was any any discussion of that. And so I think for me, when I look at the actual deals that are on the table, it's is there a middle ground that makes sense from what was uh, what was offered jb Derek white in a pick versus jb smart rotation player three to five picks and, and that's where you try to find with with what you can live with but but i think before we get there adam let, let's just do a little exercise if you if you can humor me here let's you know in, in a world let's just picture that kevin durant does end up on the celtics let's think about just for a minute what the pros and cons of that are and let's think about this in you know in, in the sense you know let's think about the pros first and I think when you look at it, he's just Kevin freaking Durant. Like you're adding Kevin freaking Durant to your team and you have him and Jason Tatum. And that's, I has to be the best one, two combo in the league. I, I really, unless you want to throw LeBron James, Anthony Davis in there, but I will harshly fight back against anyone that wants to tell me that they're better than those two. Uh, you know, I think it would be the top one, two combo in the league. And when you look at what this team is missing, Kevin Durant kind of fills every single need. A little bit of lack of a scoring punch in the finals. Kevin Durant certainly fills that void. A little bit of size and looking for, you know, we've had several conversations. Who's that other big? Well, Kevin Durant's seven feet. So I'm not saying you want to play him at center a lot, but you can certainly get by with minutes playing him. And we've, they've already been rumors of, we might see a little bit of small ball with Danilo Gallinari at the five. 
You know, I mean, you can certainly get away with Kevin Durant, the five for much of that, need a little bit more handle, a little bit more playmaking. He hits almost every checkbox that you're looking for. And in, in like we said at the very beginning, love Jalen Brown. He's an upgrade over Jalen Brown. So the, the pros, and let me know if I missed any here, Adam. I, I certainly see where a lot of these pros are for Kevin Durant to go ahead and, and make this move if the price is right. So I wrote about a different pro um, a couple of days ago, and it, according to the comments, people didn't enjoy it. But I drew, I genuinely believe what I wrote, and I genuinely I believe. missed this. Tell, tell me a little bit about it because I missed this while I was, while so I was on vacation. My outlook on it is you slide Jason Tatum down to the second option. You ask him to fill Jalen Brown's role, but still be the guy to be the primary ball handler. You were like, you know, you split that between Durant and JT. Well, now all of a sudden, Tatum has an opportunity to start punishing defend defense's second best defender. He doesn't get doubled as regularly. He's not feeling the full weight of the defensive rotations. Teams are going to have to overload on the strong side when um, Kevin Durant's there. Tatum's going to, that's going to allow Tatum to evolve more as an off ball threat. It's going to allow him to evolve more at reading defenses because things are going to be operating a little bit slower around him. And obviously, there's going to be times where their minutes are staggered. So you're still giving Tatum enough time to deal with being that focal point of an offense, but you're not asking him to do it in crunch time when the chips are down. And there will be moments when you are asking him, but primarily Durant. And I think that being like, and my biggest thing was, Durant to Tatum could be what Horford was to Rob Williams and and Grant Williams this season. You know, being in the locker room with him every day, watching that pregame ritual, watching how he takes care of his body, watching how he looks to develop his game, who he's working with, what he's working on, getting that blueprint that Kevin Durant's got. That's invaluable when you know already that Tatum's game is built in a similar mold to what Durant's mm-hmm. is just in terms of the fluidity, his scoring style, blah, blah, blah. So I think that, you know, two years of Kevin Durant being the guy, because by then he'll be 36. And then yeah. asking those two to switch roles again and having Tatum be the guy and Durant kind of being that supplementary scorer, that could be the way, if any, that Tatum takes that step to superstardom because it's going to allow him to continue developing outside of the like the intense spotlight uh, next to a guy that knows what it takes to be an elite forward in this league yeah and, and i mean i think to that point it would even be it would be a fluidity to it almost because we've seen kevin durant's willingness to play off the ball to win we, we've seen him do that in golden state so i, I don't think it's far-fetched to say that if the moment's right and especially the respect the two of them have from team usa basketball the way that you know uh jason tatum has been talked about by kevin durant himself by draymond green guys that that they have mutual respect for emi odoka comes from the team usa system as well you know i i think it's very reasonable to expect that you know like you said there are going to be times where kevin durant's closing out a game but also there's going to be times where he's off ball jason tatum's doing his thing maybe jason tatum is the one that's setting up kevin durant and vice versa you know jason tatum is going to get set up by kd with the ball and it's it you know just thinking in my head about that dynamic opportunity when you're looking to close out a game and you have Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant staring you down, this isn't even putting to the, you know, it's putting aside to the fact that either, you know, maybe a Malcolm Brogdon's out there as a third option. Rob Williams is in the dunker spot. Al Horford is, you know, somewhere just being a, a veteran doing something correct in whatever the moment calls for, you know, when you factor in all of those things, like 
that's unbelievably tantalizing. And I think to your point, I think it's absolutely, you know, valid that in a way that it may help, you know, Jason Tatum grow with with almost outside of just Team USA basketball, continued mentorship of of Kevin Durant. Because you think about, you know, during Team USA basketball, there were times where Kevin Durant says, yo, JT, you got to be the man too. Like, I'm not just the man out here. You're the man too. So now imagine putting that into an NBA world where you're doing that for 82 games plus some in the postseason. You know, that is a very, very deadly combination. And as I said, would, would have to be the best one-two combo in the league. So what do you have as the the cons to this deal? The negatives, the negativos. So, so the cons, which of course there there are some drawbacks. So let's start with age. Kevin Durant will be thirty four when the season starts. Jalen Brown's twenty six. Pretty obvious. Eight years of, of of difference there. You have to then with that consider the longevity, not just of the player itself, but I think of that championship window. And now, once again, nothing is guaranteed beyond two years. You know, I think there's a lot of of this deal that may deal that may or may not ever happen that may impact what happens in in two years and and what Jalen Brown decides to do. And you know, there's so many uncertainties in the NBA, but the longevity of Jalen Brown versus Kevin Durant, as well as that championship window. You know, if JB were to you know sign. Re up with the Celtics in two years. Now you're looking at maybe six years that you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who are continuing to get better and you have a lot of roster flexibility, which is the next point is that roster flexibility is probably a little bit more limited if you make this deal in which you're going to have to include some combination of Derek White, probably not Marcus Spar, but maybe Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, some of the other guys that you may want to use to be, you know, a little bit more malleable this year and beyond to be honest when you're trying to create some roster flexibility and then injuries you have to really think about that you've brought this up a bunch you know theoretically if marcus smarts in this deal and now you're relying on malcolm brogdon rob williams kevin durant al horford's getting old danilo gallinari's not too far behind that's a that's a lot of question marks when it when it comes to injury and age that you don't necessarily have as much of with the current roster construction. So those injury concerns, which, you know, as I mentioned with the Malcolm Brogdon trade, I feel like when you have him smart and white, you get two out of those three on any given night, any given playoff series, you're in pretty damn good shape. Now, if you're cutting that down to just two of them and maybe it's Brogdon and white and all of a sudden Brogdon's hurt Durant, you know, he's got, he's only played in I think 90 games the last two years. Uh, and that's not counting the the year he was out, which we all knew was going to happen with the Achilles, but then factor that in as well. That's 90 over three seasons. Uh, you know, that it just becomes much more of a larger concern that, you absolutely have to be at full strength to be effective. Whereas this team right now, you can afford a few bumps and bruises. You might be a little short on that, you know, on that center depth position, but I'm sure they'll address that before, you know, we get to pass the trade deadline or whenever they decide to. But that's really the only spot that you really have some depth concerns at this point. And so you have a bit more flexibility. So if you make this trade and it's three for one, two for one, whatever it might be, that's going to be another area that you're a little bit concerned with in the short term and in the long term. Any other cons that, you, that, that I missed within that, Adam? No, you've hit every con, but I do want to kind of point out to a silver lining in one of those cons. Right now, one of the Celtics' 
I wouldn't say biggest issues, but one of the the dark clouds that are good, that's heading the Boston's way is figuring out what you're willing to pay Grant Williams. Yep, and figuring out if you're willing to pay Grant Williams what he thinks he's worth, what you, or what his market value projects to be. If that rotation player is Grant Williams, now I don't want to trade Grant Williams. I think he's been fantastic. His development's been great. I like the fact that he's, t- you know, he's embracing more of a a talkative role, more of a, a a physical role. I really like Grant Williams off the bench, but I've always been very big on if a guy is going to leave anyway, if you're not going to offer the extension, if you're going to test your looking free agency, blah blah blah. And then Brooklyn are like, that's the ro- rotation player we want. Well, now that's a headache we don't have to worry about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we're getting Kevin Durant. Like you'll yeah. get it. And you can see it happening. I can see it already. Like so many discussions. Grant's worth 14 million a year. Some people want him to get paid 10, 12. Other people, including myself, will go as high as 16. Where no one can agree on his value. So you can imagine how difficult this is for Brad Stevens. If you can just pass that issue off to Brooklyn, like, yo, Grant's a great player. He's solid on defense. He can guard the perimeter. He can guard down low. You saw the job he did on Giannis in the playoffs. He can hit the corner freeze. You can have him, but the headache that comes with the extensions on you. I think there's there's a, a world of, there. A little bit of a side discussion here, but I am curious. You mentioned you would be willing to go to the 16 million. What do you think is a, is a, is a, is a number you'd feel pretty good about for, I think, for, for Grant Williams' extension? 12, 24. So I think four years, 48 is fair. Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably a little higher than I'd like to go. But I mean, typically you do have to kind of, you know, you, you got to keep that homegrown talent a little bit, a little bit happy, you know? And, you know, I think for me, I'd feel better in probably that 10 to $12 million range. A little bit of that PJ, PJ Tucker got three years, 30 from the Sixers. Yeah. I, I kind of view Grant as, as, as that type of player. I think he can do a little bit more, but also at the same time, and this is really, if the Celtics are going to make this extension offer to Grant this year, this off season, that would be kind of the number I'm looking at. If he can, can sustain with more teams, you know, not that are not going to be less willing to give him the same threes that he got this year. And he's able to, to maintain that number. You know, you can convince me more of heading towards that 13 to $15 million number over, over four years. Um, but that is something that I would have to see a little bit more evidence of before I, I, I would jump into that number. But I don't think we're miles off, but I think it speak to your point that there is no consensus of, of what it's the right number is for Grant And look, just right to now. premise myself, if it's an extension, I'm drawing the line at $13 million a year. If you're, if you're going to chance it in free agency, I move my line in the sand to $16 million a year. Yeah, because and that means something has gone very, very right this yeah, year. Yeah, and like you're happy to pay, but that's kind of my mentality. Like, if if you're going to extend him, draw your line in the sand around about that 13 million a year mark. If you're going to free agency and you want to retain him, you're going to need to push to that 15, 16 million, and that might be an overpay. At which point, if you can, if he is the throw in, that's a headache you don't have, and that's important mm-hmm. as well, especially when you look at the Celtics. Um cap sheet and yada 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 you know you're about to you know kevin durant's gonna be on what is it like 50 plus million when he's 37 mm-hmm. so you have to yeah, he's got four years guaranteed you have to factor in a lot of these things things are gonna change now do i think now actually not even do i think here's the here's the bigger question let's make the assumption they do the deal it's Jalen brown Derek white let's say grant williams for argument's sake and mm-hmm. like 
couple of yeah, picks. Couple, the, the draft, whatever the, the draft compensations inconsequential, assuming Boston win. Mm-hmm. Because if you win a banner, you don't care. So and you care when it comes time to pay up the draft pick, but by then, you know, you've got a banner or two under your arm, so you kind of live with it a little bit more. So if it's that deal, do you think that A, Boston have lost a bit of enough depth to no longer be considered a contender? Or B, do you think they win one or two championships in the next three years? Or do they not win at all? And we're going to ignore I mean, health. nothing's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, nothing's guaranteed. So I think it's it's tough to go to go with option B, but I would lean towards option B in the sense that they have a better opportunity at those. And I wouldn't worry about the depth quite as much. Of course, it's always going to be a concern. We just saw it was a concern in, in this postseason. We ran out of, of energy because we didn't have enough depth by the time you get to the finals. But I do think there's a level of overwhelming talent with enough depth that you can get by and i think if you are able to make that deal as the way that you just constructed it with jb Derek white grant williams go out plus whatever the picks are you know you're still left with a you know and it's something i was thinking about earlier as we were prepping for this i mean your your best five-man lineup is going to be something and you can be a little bit malleable with it it's going to be something around the line along the lines of of insert marcus smart or malcolm brogdon and you could theoretically go with the next four players being Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Al Horford, and Rob Williams. And think about the versatility from a defensive to offensive standpoint of what that presents you with that six-man team. And yes, after you get below that, it's a little bit sketchy as far as, you know, what does Danilo Gallinari have left? Then you're going to be relying on Peyton Pritchard. You'll really need Sam Hauser to pop and give you some minutes. And you still got to find probably another, you know, vet minimum big or a, or a buyout candidate. But you're going to be very attractive in that market if that's the team that you're rolling with. And when you have, you know, those six front front guys that I just mentioned, you know, last year the Celtics had the best starting five in the NBA by a large margins, net rating wise. And that was with Jalen Brown. You insert Kevin Durant and six man, you could consider Derek White, I think by the end of the year, was the Celtics six man. You turn that into Malcolm Brogdon. Those are two pretty big upgrades to your top six guys that you're looking at. And so I would gamble with that, you know, and feel and feel pretty good about it. And I think that that would would supersede, you know, any concerns about depth. And I think that that lineup, those six individuals, if that's the move that we're looking at, that would give you a, a really, really strong chance to at least in the next two years, get back to the finals and have a really good chance to go ahead and win one. I, I struggle to guarantee it because I don't think anything's guaranteed in this league. Which one would you go with? I'd go with option B. Um, I don't think it's close. I think that I'm going to be quite honest. I'm, I, mean, I am. I'm just going to be really honest. I, I wouldn't mind a year or two of covering Kevin Durant. Yeah, it sounds I'm fun. going to be honest. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm probably going to get slandered online by him at some point. I'm going. To, it's probably going to make me feel a little bit bad about myself. You know how he feels about blog boys. Yeah, and I and you know how I feel about that name. So like, uh, we're literally Celtics blog. So I'm sure he's going to have some feelings about about what we got to that's say. That's fine because I'll go back at him. Like, um, <laughs> like I, I've I, I've never backed away from an argument. I'm not going to start to just because it's Kevin Durant. Like, I'll probably try and make him feel bad about himself. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I like this. I like this. Uh, this feud that's already building before before anything's ever happened. Yeah, like it's probably. I mean, there's bigger fish than me to attack. So hopefully, I'll go in under the radar enough. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot. <laughs> like it's a saturated market, man. There's some big fish in there. You can go and attack somebody else. But at the same time, 
like I just want to cover that team, like the versatility. And you know what I'm like for my X's and O's, man. And I'm always trying to learn. And the, the creativity that you that having a Durant Tatum tandem kind of opens up for you. Like we know what we're gonna see with Jalen Brown and Jay's. We know that playbook. We've seen that playbook. Give me Durant for a while. Just loan him to me for like a month. I mean, I mean, the, the lineup I just gave you, Adam. Think about that. Jason Tatum's playing the two. Yeah. In that lineup, he's playing the two, KD's playing the three. You roll out there with Al Horford at the four, Rob at the five, and then insert Smart or Brogdon, you know, at the one. And then from that, you can obviously shift that all down. You can play Smart and Brogdon together. You can put, you know, JT at the three, KD at the four, insert the the five du jour, whether that's, you know, Al Horford or Rob Williams. Like the versatility you get with that top six as well to be able to, you know, play different. It's it's just intriguing from the sense of how big they would be with a guy at six ten playing the two Durant seven feet Horford's you know six ten six eleven Rob's only Rob's the second smallest guy in that lineup <laughs> Rob is about the same size as, as Jason Tatum so Your you know one of them two is, is the second smallest guy in that lineup. <laughs> exactly that's that's my point that's an insane lineup to put out there and all of them can switch on the perimeter it really it's it's a draft you know it's not it's not even you gotta gotta do a fantasy draft you gotta cheat to get that line oh man i'm not gonna lie i'm i'm in on the deal um assuming you're not gutting it but well tell me this what would be and this is a good place for us to go here so we started at the beginning talking about there, there's got to be a line in the sand that you know that that brad stevens draws and i think this whole process is going to play out which we'll talk about in a minute but what would be the trade that you that you would construct an offer that you okay, think so is I don't fair know and the then money you could live because with. i haven't sat down on the trade machine to try this so if the money doesn't work, anybody mm-hmm. listening, please don't hold that against me. But it'd be something along the lines of Jalen Brown, Derek White, Grant Williams, plus filler if needed. And I mean the end of bench filler for Kevin Durant and Seth Curry. Interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to look up the Seth Curry piece. I'm with you. I, you. You know, we've talked about Seth Curry during the trade deadline. I'm a big Seth Curry fan. I love the shooting and the spacing that he brings, and he's pretty good in the pick and roll as well. So I would, I, I would love that to be to be a part of it. I, I think for me, I'm a, I'm along the same lines, and I'll, I'll keep Seth out of out of mind for now. But uh, you know, as I mentioned privately, I thought at the beginning of these Kevin Durant trade requests, JB, the salary filler of of Neesmith and Tice, if you need to add Grant or PP, and then go ahead and, and add in some draft picks, I would probably do that. For me, right now, as it presently stands, Marcus Smart's a hard no. Rob Williams getting involved is a hard no. If it's JB and Derek White, then for me, the last piece of that puzzle would be. Either you get two to three picks that can take some form of maybe two or unprotected. The third pick is either some protections on it or it's a swap. Uh, or we could do JB, Derek White. You get that rotation player, which, like I said, I assume would probably be Grant Williams, maybe Peyton Pritchard. Take one of those two, and then maybe you get just two picks instead of three. Some some you know, some combination of that would be the trade that that I think for me. I would I would do I would probably have to do that. I I just for me I, it's really weird that I I draw the line in the sand. I can't put smarter Rob Williams, and I'm certainly no, not doing you don't lose those three Jaylen to five Brown picks on top of it. Small, a large part of that is do it. just so we just so everyone knows. I've just run my yeah. trade through the trade machine, and financially it works. 
I genuinely believe there'd need to be multiple picks and pick swaps involved because they're giving up more than just KB. Uh, you know, but you're getting multiple guaranteed yeah. years of multiple guys, and then you can get Grant Williams and get him on an extension. So, you know, uh, yeah, so that would be, oh, I mean, yeah. if you really wanted to get crazy, and this is crazy, and people aren't going to like this, but I'm going to do it just to, I want to do it just to annoy people. Give me the crazy. It's going to be, I'm just working the deal out live. This is exceptional podcasting. So it would be, and <laughs> I don't think I'd do this myself, but just to get crazy. Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Derek White, and Grant Williams for Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons. If you want size and versatility, I, I, you, dude, I was championing for Ben at you've the trade deadline. I need to stay consistent. <laughs> I know, I know. It's I, I'm with you, but at the same time, I like. I, do I just I. don't trust anything with Ben Simmons right now. I just, I just, I just can't, man. I know that's that's why I'm, and that's why I think you can't, you can't believe. do that. Deal, sorry, carry opinion. on. Sorry, I quit you. Um, and also, if the if the no, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I think because the thing with the Ben Simmons part of this, which is an interesting plot line in all of this, because it prevents really from Miami getting yeah, extra frisky dude. because they can't put Bam in a trade to go to go exactly. So there's a whole bunch of elements that I think get opened up if teams are willing to take on Ben, but then also you get into some freakish, you know, salary areas here of trying to make those all match on each side. And so maybe, the, I mean, like you said, theoretically, money wise that works up any as much as i love i love kevin durant and i think that there's a world in which there's a package that makes sense to go get kevin durant I, i'm not i'm not taking on yeah your i get what you're ben saying simmons talking about not you specifically adam but the nets problem of of ben simmons I, i'm not taking that on so I, I think for me i would i would draw the line there and i would i would honestly keep it a little bit more simple because i think for, if you're the celtics you're looking the nets dead in the eye and say hey listen my offer is jb Derek white two picks and if you don't like it have fun with, oh. with tyler hero duncan robinson and a couple picks from miami have fun with mikhail bridges and cam johnson and whatever trash they want to give you like jalen brown is maybe besides if, if scott Toronto wants to get in here with pascal siakam he, he's the he's the best individual yeah i don't think they're going to touch him but even then i think there's questions for toronto like because salary wise, you got to throw in two to three more players. Do you have enough left over with Kevin Durant's window and Scotty Barnes is still in his second year? Like, do you have enough to make a run during Kevin Durant's prime? So I don't know if that would even make sense for Toronto to do. And so I think really, like, I think this JB Derek White and a pick or two or how many ever picks it is, I think this this trade option is gonna linger there for a bit. And I think Brad Stevens is gonna is gonna look the Nets front office in the eye and say, if you want to find a better package, you think you have a better package with Tyler Hero, Mikael Bridges, or whatever, maybe the, the Raptors can give you, good luck. But that's our offer, and they're not really competing against too many others, and they don't have to make this move. So I think that should be a hard line that, that Brad sticks to. So the other team that I think could be in play for KD, and I think it would be it, they'd need to get creative, and they'd need to be draft picks involved, but this team has the draft picks to make the deal work. And I'm just trying to see how this trade would look. Would Can be, I guess who you're going for? Go for it. Pelicans? It is the Pelicans. Because I think Brandon Ingram is also a, a highly talented young wing on a long-term deal that can continue to grow into being a first option on a contending team. You know, you can get it done as simply as Brandon Ingram plus Valentunas plus picks 
Mm-hmm. And they have a lot know, of picks. Yeah, they have a lot of picks. Or you can go a little bit different. You know, if they want some young guys, you could go Brandon Ingram, Valentinus for salary matching. And then you could Herb give Jones them a, maybe in there. Trey Murphy could be that guy. You know, Alvarado could be there because he he had a really good first year, you know, just yeah. to throw him in there. You could add Larry Nance if they wanted some veteran presence. You could give them Devontae Graham because he struggled in New Orleans. Classic. Like, there's a lot there. And I think New Orleans are one of these teams that are designed right now to be able to go after a star like Durant that has slept on because they've struggled the last few seasons. And I, I find that crazy because... You know, right now they've got CJ, they've got Zion. If you go in with a big three of CJ McCollum, Kevin Durant, Zion Williamson, you're a force. For sure. And I agree with everything that you just said, but I actually, and I knew where you were going there because I specifically left them off of the teams that I think are in true contention. And, And the main reason for me is if I'm the New Orleans Pelicans front office and I'm thinking about Kevin Durant's career, the the behavioral tendencies of, that we've seen from Kevin Durant over the last couple of years. We, we know he has four years on his contract, but as we're seeing, it don't really mean much. So if I'm New Orleans front office and I'm giving up all the stuff that you just mentioned that they could, and they could honestly do that and still have, you know, picks left over to be able to play with going forward and, and be able to make some other moves. So it doesn't put them dead in the water for their for their future. But when you really think about it, do you really think New Orleans is going to be the place that Kevin Durant goes, yep, this is where I wanted to plant my flag and build my last piece of my legacy is with the New Orleans Pelicans that traditionally don't have a great fan base, don't really have much of a tradition at all. And, you know, you look at that team, Zion, we haven't we've seen him play, what, 82 games in, in three years? When he's out there, he's freaking awesome. I love Zion. The man, you know, has people bouncing off him like vibranium when he gets down in the pain. Point Zion, sign me up. It's a lot of fun to watch. But it's I, I just I, I find it really hard to think that that's going to be a scenario where KD is in that market. So if you're the New Orleans front office, it's really tough to give up uh, uh, all the stuff that you mentioned for a guy that if you look at his trends over the last couple of years is ultimately going to be more than it's it's a good chance. He's not going to be happy in New Orleans, despite the four years on his contract, which as we're seeing doesn't necessarily matter and superstar players typically get their way and so for that reason i'd be very shocked if that trade came to fruition so for me the only other the the flip side to that would be if kevin durant wanted to kind of erase that narrative around him only being able to win a championship by teaming up with steph and not being capable of winning on his own no there's no better place to go than new orleans ad couldn't do it there we've seen ingram and McCollum and Zion obviously Zion hasn't played with with McCollum yet but we've not seen that happen if KD went there with that core of him Zion and McCollum and somehow managed to win a championship that cements him that that kills that narrative that he could only win with Steph it changes a bunch and I think that that could be enticing for him but I do agree he's a flight risk you know he's a it's a low, a small market team with a very unenthusiastic fan base. And there's just not a lot of opportunities outside the fact that you're Kevin Durant. But if you're going somewhere to prove a point, to prove that you can win a championship wherever you go, as long as there's a stable team around you, then New Orleans makes sense. So with that, I'm gonna, we're going to wrap up. So if you've enjoyed the show, make sure you go hit that subscribe button. Make sure you go follow my boy, Will. Make sure you follow me. 
and then we'll be back again on Monday, y'all. Monday, when hopefully we'll have a free man weave for you, though. Ain't disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your opinion Y'all been testing my patience, never did it for a check I've been impressed with the famous, just rather be creative Than stressing my wages, ageless Every time I lay a verse down One play at a time, keep it moving like a first down And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this MJ never made it to the major, still he chased greatness Expected that he might fail, and I might too I might never get to pop champagne Celebrating with the crew, this ain't everything I am It's something that I do